When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into a Friday edition, the tailgate, the Sooner Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Plank. Thank you so much for downloading, uh, continuing to help this podcast grow. And obviously, as, as we continue to grow, we'll continue to bring you the best content possible. On the show today, we have a little perspective from behind enemy lines. You'll hear from Dave Hunziker, play-by-play voice of the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Some of you would consider talking to an ESPN personality as going behind enemy lines, but Toby Rowland, the play-by-play voice of the Sooners, who joins me typically on Tuesdays, usually sometimes on Fridays too. But Toby had a chance to chat with Desmond Howard. So I guess, like I said, for some of you, maybe behind enemy lines, but one of the guys involved with game day will be on the Sooner Sports Podcast today. And we'll uh, have our writer's block Return on this Thursday with Tyler Palmatier and Stephen Parker. Stephen Parker II is probably going to be so tired of talking to me by the end of this week. It was three out of four days when we talked to him. We talked to the post game on Saturday. He had Sunday off, as do all student athletes. Uh, well, all football players, excuse me. So he had Sunday off. Then on Monday, we interviewed him for the press conference. And on Tuesday, I sat down with him for the TV show Sooner Sports Spotlight. About a six-minute hit. We'll do that coming up later on in the program. It's Bedlam. It's OU. It's OSU. So let's get after it, shall we? Snap. 
Handoff, P. Ryan up the middle, to the 10, to the 5. He stops, and he'll take a knee at the one-yard line, and you can unhitch the wagon. Put the ponies in the barn. The Oklahoma Sooners are Big 12 champs for the 10th time. I want to start today with Toby, the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland, who on his radio show on Thursday had a chance to catch up with Desmond Howard. Sounded like this. What is the weekly schedule for you guys for game day? When do you arrive, production meetings, uh, as much detail as you want to go into? What's the weekly schedule like? Well, the the weekly schedule changes for me personally because now I call these uh, the MAC games during the week. So, like I said last night, I called uh, uh, Western Michigan against Central Michigan up in Kalamazoo. So that's like so. My weekly schedule is very jam packed at this point um, because you know you have the coaches and player meetings that you have to attend. So that puts you in uh, the, the 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 host city of that game at least a day uh, ahead of the game, if not two days ahead. So if it's a Wednesday game, you know, in order for me to go to the coaches' meetings on um, Tuesday afternoon, I have to fly in uh, Monday evening or Monday afternoon. So and it's still in, in preparation for that game. Uh, I'm still in the process of uh, prepping for game day, which, you know, is uh, is covering the, 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 the whole scope of uh, college football, you know. And then, obviously, we had the big news with the uh, college football playoff rankings that finally came out. So that's, that's, that, that just adds uh, some more stuff on my plate. So that's, that's midweek. And then Thursday is when I, uh, when most of us fly into town because we have a production meeting on Friday morning. Me personally, I have to do a sports center uh, Friday morning too. So I'm, I'm always uh, in town on Thursday. And uh, we have, uh, have a production meeting on uh, Friday morning. Um, do college football live on site Friday afternoon. We may meet with the media at some point during um uh, during the day too, and then um you know we we go about our our we go our separate ways and we do what we do. Uh, how much I, I'm a former producer too, so I'm intrigued by just the putting together of the show. Is that all? Uh, Bears, baby, or do you get some say in what you do from week to week, or how does that work? Uh, repeat that. You said it all. What? It, does Bear put the show together for you guys? Does your producer put it together for you? I mean, I'm sure he does, but do you get some say uh, from week to week in different segments you'd like to do or uh, the flow of the show or anything? Oh, okay. You said, I didn't know. You said Bear. Does Bear, does Bear put it? Are you talking about Felica? No. Um, I, you know, they, they really start to piece the show together, you know, I think um, Monday and Tuesday up in Bristol, they'll send out a couple of emails to get our opinion about a couple of things and see the direction in which we're headed. But they they do the, the, the bulk of the work for our show, at least the, the skeleton of the show up in Bristol on Monday and Tuesday. Like I said, those are the days that I'm pretty busy prepping for my, my midweek um, game that I'm calling. But, um, you know, you do have some input, and um, then we have our meeting on Friday. So by the time we meet Friday morning, we have the, um, I would say, probably 80 to 90% of our show um, done. And Reese Davis has a lot of input to our host, Reese. He has a lot of input 
and uh, the development of the show throughout the week too with uh, Jimmy Gyro, our uh, producer. And um, yeah, yeah. So once we meet on Friday, it's just like putting the, the finishing touches on uh, on the product, and then uh, we roll it out Saturday morning, ready or not. Here we come, live, uh, live on <laughs> uh, Lake location. Desmond Howard joining us. ESPN Game Day is going to be in town up in Stillwater this weekend for Bedlam. Anything surprise you, Des, with the first ranking on Tuesday night? Um, no, I thought that I thought that things uh, shaped out the way uh, I figured they would. You know, I, I understood that <clears throat> that Wisconsin they don't merit the same type of respect right now. That some teams do that that may have a, a loss on their record because people just don't really respect um, their schedule. So even though they're undefeated, they don't have a loss on their schedule on their on their record. I think that a lot of people, you know, they, they still don't respect their schedule. So I, just, I understood that Miami is the same way. And Miami is a team that I think we're still really trying to figure out who they are, just because you know they're undefeated also, but. You know, it's not like they're going out there beating teams, but they're winning games. They're finding ways to win games. And um, so I think when that happens, the team's undefeated, then you're kind of still on the fence about just how good they are. Uh, you know, they, they squeaked by Florida State up in Tallahassee. They um, squeaked by Georgia Tech um, at Hard Rock Stadium down in Miami. And then you know, they had a, a, a really, really – pretty bad North Carolina team, um, you know, take them to the fourth quarter where they, you know, this is a team that you would think if Miami's for real, that they would, it wouldn't even be a contest in the fourth quarter because UNC, they've been decimated by injuries. And, you know, they're just pretty much waiting for basketball season to roll around down there in Chapel Hill. So uh, I I understand why they they had some one-loss teams ranked ahead of Miami and Wisconsin. But the good thing about it is there's a lot of football left to be played, and these teams will play against some, um, some stiffer competition and then have an opportunity to really prove their worth. You were in uh, Columbus um, several weeks back for that Oklahoma-Ohio State game. Were you okay with OU being ranked ahead of them here? I know that caused a lot of uh, heartburn uh, with some. I don't. I don't know why it would cause any issues with anybody. I don't know why it would cause cause heartburn. I mean, Oklahoma beat them head to head in Columbus. I mean, it wasn't like it was a a close game that came down to which team had the ball last, or it was decided by you know a field goal at the end of the game. I mean, it was a decisive victory for the Oklahoma Sooners. So at this stage, I don't understand why you know if, if you if you're trying to supposedly Toby. If you're trying to rank the teams and you see two teams as, as being even, and then that's when you start to go to the, the other factors. And one of the factors is supposed to be head-to-head. And that was a decisive head-to-head victory for Oklahoma over Ohio State. So I really don't see where anybody would dispute the fact that Oklahoma should be uh, and deserves to be ranked ahead of Ohio State. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Desmond Howard with us. ESPN Game Day is going to be in town on Saturday. A couple more questions for Des. What's your Heisman ballot look like right now? 
Wow. I mean, there's three guys on the ballot. I don't have a first-place guy. I think it's really open at this point. Um, you know, you got he still have Saquon. You still have Bryce Love. And uh, you got Baker Mayfield. I know a lot of people now are really excited about what J.T. Barrett did a week ago against Penn State. And it was pretty impressive to come back uh, from behind against the number one, two, I mean, the number two team in the country and uh, play the way they played. And, you know, he, he had – he, I think he completed like 16 passes in a row, which to me is just really surprising because, you know, JT isn't known for his um, his passing abilities. You know, he, he can throw the ball. There's no doubt about that. But he's a much better and much, um, I think, dangerous person when he's running with the ball as opposed to uh, throwing the ball. I mean, if you're a defensive coordinator and um, you, 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 you're scheming, the uh, Buckeyes, I'm sure, especially if you would talk to Oklahoma's defensive coordinator, they'd say we'd much rather have him try to sit in the pocket and beat us with his arm than to let him run the ball and beat us with his legs. So that was really a, really a good win for for the Buckeyes against uh, the Nittany Lions. Really, really, it, it was a, it was almost like a statement game for the Buckeyes. Des, last question. We'll let you uh, get out of here. You got an airplane to catch, and and I know you just called. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Maction last night, uh, Central Michigan yes, and uh, Western yes, Michigan. Sir. So you haven't had a chance to do your uh, deep dive yet on this Bedlam game. But uh, r- right now, how do you feel about this? You know, what's the national perception, I guess, or Desmond Howard's perception of this these two teams, OU, OSU, in this football game? <clears throat> well, I think that um, the national perception uh, about the conference as a whole is that they play. Uh, they play. They play a lot. Of, they they play well on offense, and they don't play that well on defense. They score a lot of points. I think that's just the the national perception of the the conference as a whole. Like they, you know, they're going to score a lot of points. They they play well on offense, you know, but they don't really play that well on defense. And the Sooners, one of the knots um, that uh, you would consistently hear about Oklahoma was, um, you know, the defense isn't strong enough. Okay, Baker Mayfield, you know, he's a Heisman candidate. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Um, and he's going to make his offense better just because that's who he is. But defensively, you know, there are some holes, there are some questions, and they're not playing championship caliber uh, football on, on that side of the ball. So you look at Oklahoma State, and I think that's pretty much the, the knock on, uh, on the Sooners at this point. And you look at Oklahoma State, and you say, well, you know, they got Mason Rudolph, who um, one of my <laughs> one of my co-hosts, uh, Lee Corso, he picked him to win the Heisman. And so he, that's Lee's Heisman Trophy winner, Mason Rudolph. And then, you know, obviously James Washington, the fantastic wideout that he has. And, but these guys, you know, are, are such a, a pass-heavy team. Do they have any balance? Can they run the ball? So now you see teams like like Texas who, you know, they took them. I mean, that was a, a monster game. Texas uh, well, took them to overtime. They're going to be Texas 13 to 10. It's supposed to be a high-powered offense and uh, who's scoring all these points, gaining all these yards, and, um, you know, they're going to eke out 13 points against, against the Longhorns. So I think it's because teams are starting to – you know, almost dare them to run the ball, like establish the run by playing like a shell coverage on the back end where you can you may rush four, but then you're dropping seven back in coverage. Or you may rush three and you're dropping eight in coverage, 
And you're saying, well, they got three defensive linemen. Come on, run the ball on us. So I think the jury is out now on Oklahoma State as far as you don't have the type of balance that you need. I think going down this final stretch to be successful, and they're going to have to try to find some type of running game if they want to if they want to be successful in the final stretch of the of the regular season. Game day in Stillwater. You realize the last time game day was in Norman was the OU Notre Dame game. So if the Sooners can win this week, and I, I don't know if game day is in the practice of going to the same place two weeks in a row as far as state is concerned and covering the same team two, two weeks in a row. But, boy, next week, if the Sooners can win on Saturday, might be a prime spot for game day in Norman. I had a chance to catch up with the play-by-play voice of the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Let's go behind enemy lines with Dave Hunziker, who has had some fun calling this team in 2017. You know, it's been fun, but there's been enough unsettledness about it that there's been some anxiety too with the injuries on the offensive line that became multiple injuries at once for the TCU game and then obviously for the Texas Tech game Baylor and Texas I mean you're getting through about a month there with a beat up offensive line and that created some anxiety and uh, you know they've, they've managed to, to get through that reasonably well and Brad Lundblad's back at center so that really helps what the defense has done the last Two weeks and really three of the last four is especially encouraging. Uh, They've played very well. They've shut down the run. They've held four opponents to less than 65 yards on the ground, which is really, really good. So that's been really fun to see. And I think the thought was the defense could be pretty good. I'll be honest with you. I I didn't know if it could be quite this good. Uh, So, you know, we still must to play. We'll see. But that's been fun to watch, especially, again, the last month or so. The defense has helped out the offense when it needed it the most. We had Kale on our Coach's Corner show yesterday, and one thing that he pointed out was how it seems they're more confident in the depth on their defensive line. Dave, who's kind of caught your eye in that defensive line rotation as you see more bodies that uh, Glenn Spencer has been able to rotate in there? You know, it, it has, you know, they are a little bit more confident. Now, they, they haven't been, I don't know that they're even quite as deep as they were last year, truthfully, but nonetheless, I mean, for example, a guy like a Todd Bakari, uh, who played in one game at Oklahoma State prior to this year, had a big goal line tackle at Texas Tech, recovered a fumble against WVU last week. Uh, Enoch Smith is a transfer from Michigan State that didn't get to play last week due to injury. Hopefully he'll be back this week. You know, he can get in there and, and get you a few snaps. Uh, Trey Carter just seems to play, be playing better and better as uh, time goes along. So so he's been able to help. Uh, you know, Jarrell Owens is, is someone that, that offers – a lot at defensive end. Cole Walterscheid probably had his best game at defensive end last week as Billy Leveni was limited. So, yeah, they do have some bodies. You know, I don't know that they have quite as many as maybe they had last year, but I think they're getting more quality production and big plays out of those guys in the second string and perhaps even down into your fifth defensive line. But those guys are making probably little bigger contributions than uh, what some of those guys further down the depth did in the past. They may not have quite as many bodies, but it seems like everybody, whether you're a starter or a second-teamer or whatever, is able to make a contribution. So I don't think the drop-off maybe is quite as great in some of those positions. Third downs, I think, are going to be big on Saturday. For I mean, obviously, both sides of the ball. Defense, obviously, wanting to get the offense off the field. Offense wanting to convert. Oklahoma State, and, and Oklahoma for that matter, they've been really good 
at third down conversions. I think, what, Oklahoma State's uh, seventh in the country in third down conversions. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma is 18th. Dave, is that for Oklahoma State, is that about being in third and manageable? Because they seem to be one of the best teams in the country on first and second down, too. It is, although they have shown the ability, you know, not so much recently, perhaps, although they were pretty good converting third and long at WBU. I think they were maybe for their first five and third and long. I mean, they, the last couple of years, they've had a pretty consistent ability to bail themselves out third and long. You don't want to be in that situation against Oklahoma. It all comes down to the ability to run the ball, especially if teams are going to play pass defense and they're going to drop you know, multiple safeties back. In some cases, Texas, and to a large extent, West Virginia put three safeties back. Cowboys had some troubles against that against Texas, but they fixed it against West Virginia, and they were able to run the ball effectively early in the game when it mattered the most. So I do think it's important, and that's an area where the Cowboy defense has really improved. You know, in the opener against Texas, against Tulsa, I think Tulsa was right around 50% on third and long. TCU was better than 50% on third and long. Those two teams, TCU and Tulsa, were combined 13 of 24 on third and six or more. The last four opponents have gone five for 34 on third down and six or more against Oklahoma State. That is very reminiscent of the 2013 defense, which I think is the best defense probably from start to finish that has been here since I've been at Oklahoma State. Not to say this team is at that level yet, but that's what that team did. That team, when you were in third and long against that 2013 defense, you were done. And uh, this team the last few weeks has showed that ability. Can they do it against the higher octane offenses, especially Oklahoma Saturday? That'll be the ultimate test, but They've been really good. Third and long, which was a problem early in the year, has been an area of strength for this team as of late. Where have you seen the biggest improvement in Mason Rudolph, Dave? Just decision-making and being patient and understanding that not every play has to be a home run. And to a large extent, playing within himself is something Coach Gundy talks about. And that means taking what the defense gives him, knowing that an incompletion isn't the end of the world instead of trying to thread a needle that's not there and throwing an interception. You know, understanding that a, that a short pass results in a five-yard gain is just fine most of the time, and, and that's okay. He's, he's really improved in that area. Understand, and that's because he understands more of what he sees. That's experience. You know, he can understand defenses, understands what's going on, and kind of knows where his options are and can sort of work his way through the options until the best one is available. That's probably the biggest thing. And, he's, and you know, he's grown up. He's older. I don't think things bother him maybe like they used to. Uh, you know, he's, he's, I think he's, he's calmer. Uh, he's got a great demeanor. He's never had a bad demeanor, but I think just when you're a young quarterback, a lot of guys can be a little skittish. He's not that way anymore. Uh, he's grown up. Uh, he's grown up in his knowledge. He's grown up in his demeanor. And he's become a more rounded guy because of it. Seems like there is uh, some fun to be had in the backfield. Obviously, you have uh, Justice Hill, who, even though he's only a sophomore, seems like he's been around for a while with how much success yeah. that he's had. And then last week, we got our, our first, at least on a national scale, really good look at J.D. King, big, strong, powerful back. Dave, can you kind of take us inside the, the, the differences and kind of the strengths of those two guys? Because I think we have a good idea about Justice Hill, but – Man, J.D. King seems like he's kind of Samaje P. Ryan-esque, if you will. Yeah, that's probably, that could be a pretty good analysis. And, you know, I think Hill's more of a space runner, more of a slash guy, so to speak. 
Cam's a powerful guy, but I tell you what, he's got good instincts. That touchdown run at West Virginia last week, the 20-yarder, was great in that he got about two yards down the field, then waited for a block, and then made two cuts, made a couple guys miss. I mean, it was a big-time touchdown run. Uh, J.D. King's thighs, I'd forgotten how big they were until I saw him in shorts yesterday. They are enormous. They're like tree trunks. They're huge. <laughs> Made me think about Earl Campbell. I mean, huge legs. Physically, he is far beyond what you would normally see historically from a tailback that's played here at Oklahoma State. I mean, we've not had a guy like that in a while. And he's got good speed. He's more of a power guy. So they're very different. They're both adequate receivers out of the backfield, without a doubt. You know, he'll more of a slasher guy, but King is faster than what you think and powerful. And gosh, his body looks good for a freshman. So it's exciting. And the thing is, you know, they're pretty happy with what L.D. Brown has done. Uh, and then you've got Chuba Hubbard that's redshirting. You know, Coach Gundy, we we're standing on the sideline of practice in August, and he said, you know, in a year or so, we could have four or five tailbacks that could all play and help us and help us a lot. And uh, we've not been in that position here for a long time. Dave, I want to ask two more before we let you run. And obviously, when you talk Oklahoma State Cowboys, we've talked about one of the stars in Mason Rudolph, but we haven't talked about the other, James Washington, who's showing up in mock drafts as a top-ten pick. I saw one that had him number one overall a couple of weeks ago. But I'll ask a similar question to Mason Rudolph. Where have you seen the continued improvement in James Washington? Because that's a guy that from day one seems like he stepped on the field ready to be a big-time player. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because – I was asked that question in the summer about James Washington. You know, why didn't he go pro? And the answer to that, really, believe it or not, was fairly simple. Uh, you know, a couple of things. He's stronger. He's just continued to refine his body and get bigger and stronger. And Coach Gundy and I talked about that after the season was over. And he said very simply, he said, I don't think he's strong enough yet to take on NFL corners. He's got to get stronger. Uh, they're going to press man him. They're going to beat the tar out of him. And he's got to be able to take it. So he's got he's he's got a lot stronger. He's got to get even stronger. That job is complete. I think another thing about James Washington is if you look at his numbers last season, Chris, he had 171 yards receiving against Colorado in the bowl game, 158 against Tech, 152 against Iowa State, 296 against Pitt. At the same wow. time, he had one catch for nine yards against Kansas, four for 27 against TCU. Four for twenty or two for fifty against Oklahoma, and three for ninety-one against Texas. What had happened with him is, and I asked him about this, and he talked about this very candidly for a pregame show before the Texas Tech game. Teams were double-teaming him, and he was having a hard time dealing with it. You know, he he got a little discouraged by it, and you know, kind of had a hard time understanding the importance of running decoy routes, and also the importance of just making plays, you know, it may not be an 80-yard touchdown. It may just be a 10-yard completion for a first down, you know, kind of. And also he even talked about studying video and, you know, kind of getting a greater understanding about when teams were giving him extra attention, where the opportunities would be available for him, even against uh, extra people. And this year, sometimes like Texas Tech, that key play that Marcel Aitman made late, that long catch, they had three guys going at James Washington believe it or not, three. Wow. Basically had a triangle on him. So he's just kind of, he's stronger, and I think he's become more consistent this year. You don't have those dips in his production. Marcel Aitman has something to do with that, without a doubt. So we have to give credit where credit's due. But I think also he's he's learned 
how to find opportunities to make plays, even against extra attention. I don't think he's as discouraged by it as he used to be. That's just a sign of maturity. So I, I think those things are huge. I, I think those are, well, def, are definitely got the attention of the scouts. But, you know, you know the thing is, I've, I always thought, well, he's not big enough and, you know, stupid me. Antonio Brown, Pittsburgh Steelers, about the same size as James, you could argue is the best receiver in the NFL, certainly one of the top two or three. So it tells you what I know. <laughs> hey, and, and then real quick, I know we've kept you long, Dave, and I really appreciate your time. But oh, we've no seen – yeah, well, we're talking Bedlam, man. Does it get any better than this? No, it's awesome. uh, we've seen. <laughs> I think we've seen a shift in kind of Mike Gundy's approach. I can remember talking with our friend John Klein a lot uh, during, I think it was the, the, the season whenever Mason Rudolph came out of his redshirt as a freshman, and some thought that, that Mike had maybe become a little bit combative. I, I never saw that. I've always liked Mike Gundy. But this is like a different dude over the last three years. He's got the mullet going. He's chasing rattlesnakes. He's ripping his shirt off. I mean, this is – have you noticed this, or has Mike Gundy always kind of been oh, yeah. the same guy? He's just opening up a little bit more. No, he's different. 2014 was really hard on him on a number of fronts, and we won't digress into all of that, but it just was. And winning Beckham was almost like, you know – I don't even know how you would describe it. It was almost like a rebirth. I mean, it was a tough year on him. And then he went to Bedlam. And all of a sudden, I think it was just fun again. I think 2014, you know, when you're an offensive coach and you put your team out on the field for a month and a half, and you don't know if you can score more than 10 points, maybe not even more than seven. That is not a good place to live. But that's your area of pride. That's what you know. That's who you are. It was really hard on him. And uh, so when Bedlam, you know, kind of 2015 is that magical year. I mean, we were 10-0. and 0. We no more deserved. I mean, that team, it's unbelievable what they accomplished going 10-0. and 0. I, I still think back. I just laugh about it because it's crazy to think that team started 10-0, and 0, given the limitations, really, that it had in a lot of areas. But, yeah, I mean, now he, he's having fun again. And, uh, you know, he's got the contract extension. That's all worked out. Uh, you know, he's got one in college now, a boy in college, and uh, getting to watch the other two young ones play, and I think that puts him in a good place. I think he really enjoys that. And uh, so, yeah, I just think he's having fun again. I, I think it's fun for him again. I think some of the stresses he used to have are gone, and uh, he feels really good about his offense. He loves having an experienced team. Uh, he, he really likes his coaching staff. His coaching staff has evolved. I think he's more comfortable now with his staff and maybe he'd been in some previous years. He really likes his staff and yeah, he's, he's in a really good place. You know, he, he's never been combative. I mean, never was with us. I didn't think it just wore it. 2014 just wore him out. And, uh, then he got that win at the end of the year and beat a pretty darn talented Washington team in the bowl game. It's like, wow, this is fun again. Hadn't been fun <laughs> in a while. So that was a good thing. Dave's a good dude. You know, I, I know, right. It, you're not supposed to be friends. It's bedlam week, right? But you won't find, yeah. You know, as a collective group, I feel like every guy that we have on that's the play-by-play voice of if it's Craig Way at Texas or uh, Brian Estridge will come on with this next week, and he's he's a character. He he might be the best of all of them. Uh, but Dave Hunziker is a one A. <laughs> if there's a if there's a guy at the top of the depth chart, then Dave Hunziker is right there with him, and we appreciate all of his time here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. All right. Let's hit the writer's block, shall we? Caught up with Tyler Palmatier this week. He covers the Sooners for the Norman Transcript to kind of get his perspective looking back on Texas Tech, 
looking ahead to Oklahoma State. And obviously, what we learned not only from the Lincoln Riley press conference that we broke down on Tuesday's edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast, but also post-practice avails from the offense on Monday and the defense on Tuesday. Man, Oklahoma very much is aware that Ohio State is viewed to be a little bit higher than they are right now, aren't they? Yeah, they. I mean, they sure are, and I think it's hard to ignore because we're reaching this time where it's impossible to ignore that. And, you know, Orlando Brown, I asked him, uh, how do you even, how do you know, everybody says they try and block out what the media says during the year, and I think it's maybe a little bit easier, maybe your first five games when you're starting, you just maybe focusing on improving. But right now, I asked him, how do you, how do you ignore the first playoff rankings? And basically just said you don't. Uh, it's it's worth looking. You know, he made it sound like it's worth looking at it. He called it a midseason report card, and um, so for him, it's something I think he's going to watch. And then, of course, you know, Baker. We we had Baker Mayfield yesterday during availability. And yeah, he's aware of he's aware that Ohio State has made this leap above OU, and I think the you know surprise surprise. I think they're all a little bit agitated by it, um, and they're they're not the only ones. I think. You know, Baker said he believes head, there should be a head-to-head uh, consideration, and and there probably should be. I don't know why there isn't. Uh, it, we we're locked into this we're locked into this time in college football where there is everything is just about perception. Mm-hmm. You know, the Big Twelve is ranked behind uh, you know, SEC West and the Big Ten East, I believe, in the Jeff uh, Sagarin rankings. Um, and so there's just always this perception out there that you have to beat, and unless you stay undefeated, uh, you're not going to win it. And unfortunately, that's where OU's misstep against Iowa State comes in, is that whether or not they're in the top 15 now, whether or not Iowa State's in the top 15 now, it, it just isn't helping them win that perception battle, uh, in part, I think, because Iowa State is up to number 15 because of that win, maybe. So it's we're we're beginning that month long you know popularity contest, which Lincoln Riley obviously doesn't sound like he's in favor of. He says if we have to campaign for it, the system's broken, and right. it'll be really interesting to see how much Lincoln Riley engages in this battle over the next month. Because I almost think you have to. Yeah, yeah, and I thought that the quote "it's a broken system" would end up getting the headlines, and it has. But when he went a little bit more in depth, you know, it's part of about a 45-second, one-minute take. He was correct in that, hey, this is going to play itself out. Uh, but you hit on something, and that's that P-word, perception. And for some reason, it just it, it still seems like, even if it is Oklahoma, Tyler, we're fighting a perception battle for the Big 12 still, aren't we? Yeah, that, that conference is going to have that problem until it until – it, Solves it by, you know, making the playoff or you know winning a game in the playoff. Uh, I think you can point to the depth. I think a lot of people have tried to point to the depth of the conference as a plus, but really that depth almost it, it hurts the cause because last week we we stood in an interesting spot where uh, you had five teams in the top twenty-five. Well, if the two lower teams in the bottom of that poll, West Virginia and Iowa State, both won then you, you take down two of your top teams, Oklahoma State and TCU, and all that's going to do is just sort of people are just going to say, well, see, the, the top teams in the Big 12 just aren't any good. Uh, and then the other, the, the flip side of that is if Iowa State and West Virginia both lose, 
they fall out of the poll and yep. uh, everybody in the Big 12's argument that it has depth is is a little bit negated. So I don't know how you overcome that perception. Uh, I don't know if it's – I don't know that even necessarily defensive numbers would help. I think there's some good defensive teams in the Big 12. Oklahoma State's improved and TCU is is really stout, obviously. Oklahoma's defensive numbers aren't helping. But I think you just overcome that by winning a bunch of games. Uh, don't let the Iowa States of the world beat you. And uh, just, you know, power. they got to get somebody in the playoff, basically. And to have somebody get there and make some noise would especially help. Yeah, I agree. You know, uh, I don't know. Was there anything else? I, I didn't get a chance to read everything this morning, Tyler, uh, nor did I get a chance to listen to a lot of the audio. Was there anything else that kind of caught your attention from the offensive side of the football last night? I mean, in all reality, it's – pretty much rolling on the offensive side of the football. Baker did say, I had my worst game that I've had in a Sooner uniform on Saturday night, and yet they still put up uh, ridiculous numbers on offense, and the ground game was turning away. But anything else really kind of catch your eye last night from the post-practice avail with the offense? Uh, nothing groundbreaking. Uh, everybody uh, in OU's camp is very complimentary of Oklahoma State, and that's not a big surprise because there's kind of a lot to compliment right now for them. And I don't think they want to ruffle any feathers, but uh, in talking to Torlando Brown, he's very complimentary of Oklahoma State's defensive line. Uh, we did get to talk to Kale Gundy, which is sort of a rarity. Uh, his his Bedlam connection uh, is, is the reason we were able to, to speak with him. And and that was, that was really interesting to me. You know, Kale opened up a little bit about how he's different from Mike Gundy, which there he, there are many differences, he said. <laughs> Obviously, those are two different guys, but he also said that in a social setting, you would think this is the opposite. Mike Gundy with his mullet and his ripping his shirt off <laughs> in public. And, but he says, Kale says in a social setting, uh, Mike is the guy who kind of is the wallflower, and Kale is more uh, sociable, which... I can kind of see that he's uh, Kale has served as a recruiting coordinator for a long time and he knows how to talk to people. He may, he may not be as, he may not want to grab headlines and be at the forefront of, of these stories and things, but uh, he still has that sociable side and, and, uh, and, and Kale, and, you know, he said he still wants, Kale said he still wants to be a head coach someday or he, he has that desire. It's not something he's, he's just, he's not willing to just be an assistant his whole life. He still has those goals. Uh, so he's not a guy we talked to very much, but he was he was really enlightening uh, last night and fun to talk to. That that I think the bedlam connection with with he and Mike. I think uh, I saw. I think it was Bill Hastings' Tulsa World. I think he said that those two uh, have the most bedlam games of anybody in the series under their belt. Wow! Uh, and so to, for them to be brothers and to have quarterback both teams and now been coaches, are coaches at both teams. Those are storylines I don't think people should take for granted. It's one of the things that makes this week special, and you don't get it in every in-state rivalry where you get uh, those families that are part of it. And it's it's fun to watch, and uh, I know it's hard. Kale said it's hard on uh, their moms, but uh, it's it's fun for us, and it's unique. Yeah, and I, and I find it kind of interesting because we get Kale on the coach's corner this week, and I'm sure that was just pure luck of the draw, but I don't think you could ask for a better week to have him. Hey, uh, final thought, Tyler, and I'll let you run, and it's always 
seemingly the first question of the presser. But when you're digging into the OU injury report and knock on wood for Sooner fans, you got to dig a bit. Because really, for the most part, this is about as healthy as you could ask to be this late in the season. Though, I thought the the lack of a Gallimore on Saturday hurt this team. They're going to need depth with Matt Romar, and there's still hope he could be back. I mean, a pretty impressively clean injury sheet for Oklahoma, considering how late we are in the year. Yeah, they have to be pleased. Uh, the games against Texas and Kansas State, and Ohio State, for that matter, those are three really physical teams. I mean, they went through their their bumps and bruises, but to come out with, uh, you know, not that's not you know nobody lost for the season. The, the CD Lamb injury that was a big thing that he was able to come back and, and be healthy. There was you don't you don't have CD Lamb. This offense changes a lot, and now it, you, you, he doesn't miss a game. Uh, he wasn't super productive in the first few back from Iowa State, but. You saw uh, Saturday just how good he can be when fully healthy. OU's really going to need him. That's sort of obvious. But, yeah, to come out with uh, nobody lost for the season, Baker's Baker Mayfield's injury uh, ended up being relatively minor. He he took every rep last week, Lincoln Riley said. That's important. They go they go into this home stretch healthy, and, yeah, you're out, you hit it on the head. It's, it's a perfect scenario for Oklahoma and uh, for them – just hope it continues. Norman Transcript, by the way, you can follow on Twitter, at Norman News. Good information on the Sooners. And we'll wrap things up with a little bit of a look back on the career of Stephen Parker II. Cover this kid when he was at Jinx. He's a special individual. He is a hard worker. He's a good dude. And he comes from a family that's mostly painted orange and black. How did this happen? But I caught up with Stephen Parker this week on Spotlight. Let's just talk about overall how you feel about the defense uh, and, and the way this team has been able to adjust and they've been able to improve throughout the year. It's got to be incredibly reassuring. Uh, I feel pretty good about the defense. Uh, you know, we, we've had, you know, um, some, some minor, you know, adjustments, some, you know, some minor, you know, cues that, you know, we, we've gotten hit with as far as earlier in the game. And, uh, you know, I feel like that we've done a great job improving each and every week, um, you know, just throughout practice and our preparation. You're a leader, you're a senior. Still seems crazy to think Stephen Parker II is a senior this year. But where have you felt like you've seen the most personal improvement in your game throughout the year? Um, just, I mean, I, I feel like uh, tackling was a big struggle for me uh, beginning in the season. And uh, I feel like tackling has just been, you know, something that has gotten a lot better. Well, we just saw one of them right there early against UTEP. But overall, what, what's the key? Because in practices, you don't tackle to the ground anymore, and that's kind of something that's changed across all levels of football. So what's the key, Stephen, to improving as, as a tackler? Uh, just putting yourself in, in, in position each and every play, uh, and it starts in practice. I mean, in practice, I mean, you don't get to go down to the ground fully all the time. So really, any time that you can to work on it or have the chance to work on it when you have to. You've really set the tone a couple of times in games with some big hits. Uh, we saw the one against UTEP earlier. Here you're going to be able to get a, uh, another big one that kind of just sets the tone. How kind of key and important is that to really set the mode when you're able to lay the lumber hit someone uh, pretty hard? Uh, I mean, it, set, it sets the tone for the defense. I mean, as a defense, you know, we pride ourselves on big hits and really just getting big stops. <laughs> so, I mean, whenever you can do things like that at that caliber, you know, it just kind of amps up the defense to where everybody is up and ready to go. I thought you had a pick there. Uh, I thought I did, too. We got it out the last second. Uh, I had it. Hey, how key was it? Let, let's go back a little bit here. 
the Kansas State game, two games ago, whenever you forced the turnover, and there had been, I guess you could say, a little bit of a drought from a turnover perspective. How big was that to get that strip and really set a tone for this defense that you're going to force turnovers? Uh, it was huge just because, um, you know, that's something that we work on in practice every single day is just hocking protect. So, I mean, we're always hocking at the ball, trying to get the ball out, strips, all that kinds of stuff. And uh, finally, you know, we, we put it into action uh, against Kansas State, or at least I did. Leadership is something that I know has developed for you. Um, for young football players or even young business people, young students, what's the key to being a good leader? Uh, really, the, just the key to being a good leader is basically just leading by example and, um, you know, just whatever you want, you know, the people um, that, that are following you to do, you know, you have to basically set, set that tone. You have to be the zone setter. Uh, you have to be the person to, to really, you know, set the edge of the defense. You uh, then right away between being a vocal leader and a lead by example guy. Is there one that you're more comfortable with? Uh, no, I feel like I'm pretty comfortable with both. From that perspective then, your dad was an OSU grad. Father's always the leader of the family. How did he let you get out to Oklahoma? Uh, I have no clue, to be honest. I've always been an Oklahoma fan. Uh, he's, and him and my mom have always been Oklahoma State uh, just, just as long as my family, too. So my, all my family's Oklahoma State besides me. That's awesome. But there's also some team ties because you have former players that you played with, including Dylan Stoner. Mm -hmm. And you guys were a great combination in high school. I know it's four years now, but is, is it still kind of cool to look on that other side? And even on our, with Marquez Overton and so many Jinx guys, to see such that impact from your high school days playing out in Bedlam. Oh, it's always great. Uh, you know, me and Stoner, we still have contacts till, till this day. So, I mean, Stoner, he's a great kid, uh, and he, he's going to be a great football player for Oklahoma State, which he's already done a you know, great job down there so far. Whenever you were at Jinx High School, you didn't actually play receiver until, what, your senior season? Mm -hmm. So, out of curiosity, does that help you much whenever you're out there as a defensive back? Or Oh, definitely, or definitely. I mean, just because, I mean, you, you know how to play the ball now. I mean, you know, as a receiver, you're going out there, going to go get the ball, you know, getting it at its highest point just like a DB should. And uh, you really just start to get more relaxed and more comfortable uh, with playing the ball. You ever think about going into Dennis Simmons or Kale Gundy's office and putting in that tape of your senior season as a receiver to let them know that you're a playmaker or, <laughs> or any of those punt or kick returns at all? Uh, I think that Coach Gundy still knows that, but uh, <laughs> we, you know, I, I still give him some jokes every now and again. You know, you were talking about getting up and, and hops whenever you're a wide receiver. I think you showcase one of the greatest plays maybe in recent history, probably one of your more memorable plays when we go back two seasons to the TCU game here. Is that one of your favorite moments as a Sooner to save the, uh, save the potential playoff run? I would definitely say so. I feel like it's one of my favorite moments, but uh, really my favorite two moments right now uh, in OU history, probably this play and, um, and probably winning the Big 12 championship two, two years in a row. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, I, I, I liked – that we had the chance to go celebrate the Big 12 championship, what is now the locker room. You guys mm -hmm. winning it in temporary locker rooms. But look, I love this angle of the play. Look at that. Be hanging on the rim <laughs> up that high. That was a special moment. I'm sure we're due for many more special moments. What's kind of been your mode this week? How have things gone in practice so far? Are you feeling good about Bedlam? Uh, I mean, really just this week, I mean, we just have to, you know, get our minds right. We already know it's a rivalry game. Uh, it's going to be a huge game, especially in Stillwater. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to prepare our butts off. You know, this is a great football, you know, program and football team this year. Uh, but so are we. So, you know, it's going to be a great game, great atmosphere. College game day is going to be there. Uh, you know, we've got to be ready. We talk about you a lot. I want to talk real quick about your guys in that room with you. That's a fun room, all the DBs in one room. A lot of confidence really coming out of that room, isn't there? Yes, sir. A lot of confidence. Uh, you know, you got both of our cornerbacks, Jordan Thomas and uh, Pernell Motley, who have done a great job. 
Um, and then uh, you, I, you see a lot of safety stepping up. Uh, you know, Will Johnson, you know, he's, he's done a great job lining everybody up in the back end and making some fantastic tackles and great plays. Uh, Khalil Hyden has done a good job. And uh, so is uh, Robert Barnes and uh, Chance Silver. Well, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast. As always, appreciate you. Appreciate you downloading. Appreciate you subscribing. Uh, spread the word. Tell a friend or two or ten. Soonersports.tv slash podcast. Right there on that media player, you have ways that you can, if it's through Stitcher, if it's through iTunes or Google Play, how, however you subscribe to the Sooner Sports Podcast, however you listen to podcasts, you can get it all right there at Soonersports.tv slash podcast with that incredibly large cartoonish head of yours truly. Enjoy Bedlam. Cannot wait to be back with you on Tuesday to break it all down. We'll see you in Stillwater. Network pregame hits the air at 1 p.m. Make sure you download the TuneIn Radio app. And Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. Yeah.